Cheers Cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. There was my mother on the phone. She just flew into town and she's coming over here. No kidding. Hey, we finally get to meet her, huh? Oh, this is very strange. Did you have a mother? No. Did you have a mother that wants to see you? No. But she's coming over here. I think mommy would be caught dead in a place like this. What are we, too grungy or something? Yeah, inside an hour ago, I'm in a tub. You're taking this all too personally, and you shouldn't. Just that mummy doesn't like bars. Well, bars can be very sad places. Some people spend their whole lives in a bar. Just yesterday, some guy sat right here next to me for 11 hours. <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly and I'm happy to welcome my guests for this episode, the husband and wife duo from the Married with Comics podcast, Jonathan and his much better half, Maggie Schaefer-Hames. How are you two? Hey, that's us. He was talking about us. I know. <laughs> I'm. We're pretty good. I'm obviously not as good as she is, as you just stated. Mm-hmm. That's true. But pretty good anyway, besides uh, that. Thank you so much, both of you, for being on the show. Uh, when John asked me about guesting on this podcast, I thought, hey, a bit of stunt casting. Let's get the Married with Comics couple to cover a wedding-themed episode, which is what we're going to be doing, which is Season 1, Episode 20, which is called Someone Single, Someone Blue. But before we dive into that episode, uh, as it's your first time, we need to hear your Cheers origin stories. Uh, so we'll start with John. How and when did you discover the show? Well, I'm old, so <laughs> I started watching the show when it was first on. Uh, I was I was rather young when it was on. I believe I was eight years old the first season it came out. But my mother let me watch it. I like came in once and was watching it and started laughing at a couple of the jokes. <laughs> and so she she watched an episode and decided, okay, this is it's a it's adult, but he's he's mature enough to watch this. And so I would watch it with her. And that became a very special part of Thursdays, which at the time for a while, Thursday was the greatest thing of all time. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though it's been ruined now by Cosby show, but I mean, there was Cosby show, Family Ties, Cheers and Night Court at one point, which yep. was and also St. Elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It was somewhere in the first season that I started watching it. I know that I've saw I've seen the pilot, but I think it was on a rerun that I did. But I do remember seeing this episode that we're covering tonight, for example, very specifically when it first ran, because I remember the commercial uh, preview for it. 
And it was in standard 1980s stunt stunt casting <laughs> manner. It's like, will Sam and Diane get married? And I'm eight, and I'm like, Mom, Sam and Diane are going to get married. Oh, dear. So, and then they didn't. And then- <laughs> We would have to wait another five seasons to see that that happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, Maggie, what is your Cheers origin story? For me, my first exposure to Cheers was it was on Nick at Night after Gilligan's Island mm-hmm. <laughs> was where I first started watching Cheers. And then it kind of just fell off my radar for most of my life. But with the advent of Netflix and marrying John, um, he was a big fan of Cheers. And I was always kind of... Eh, about it it was kind of eh. it, it wasn't my favorite but now i am a massive and i always have been a massive fan of fraser mm-hmm. so it's for me it's really cool to go back and watch cheers because for me it's a prequel yeah <laughs> yeah that's true yeah. i mean th- in this episode we haven't gotten into fraser and certainly not the fraser and lilith stuff yet but i've been appreciating cheers a lot more watching it recently I do much prefer Diane in this season than to later seasons. Yeah, no, I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> I think the the last couple of seasons with Diane are rough, to say the and, least. And that's, yeah, and that's kind of where I think I started, which was a mistake. And then we went back and started with the pilot and just went all the way through. And I'm like, why did they do that to our character? Um but yeah, so Cheers is, is not entirely recent for me, but for it to actually be something that I've been enjoying and really thinking about as I watch it and things, it's that's fairly new. That's good. Well, I'm I'm totally understand that, and especially if you're coming if you're coming from a love of Frasier, um, you're a Cheers fan adjacent. So we'll, yes, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can I can put up with that, and especially like once you get into like the Frasier episodes of Cheers, when you find out it's like, wait a minute, in this continuity, his dad is dead, and his dad was also a professor or like a scientist. It's like, yeah, <laughs> once you try and reconcile those things on the two different shows, those will be a lot of fun. But, yeah, uh, it's been really fun to watch Maggie get those jokes in reverse now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do. Like she, like in the episode where um, you meet Fraser's dad, or if, I'm sorry, you re- meet Fraser's mother yeah. later on. And then, but you, she tried to kill me. <laughs> she yeah. says it, and then Maggie finally no. got the joke. Oh. Shelley Long did that in a Fraser episode. That's what I oh yeah, and, and, right. Shelley Long mentions Fraser's mom, and she says she tried to kill me once, and I was like, hey, I get. All right, then let's get into this episode again. This is Someone Single, Someone Blue. The episode was written by David Angel. It was directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, March 3rd, 1983. Diane's wealthy mother comes to Cheers and informs her of a bizarre provision in her late husband's will, stipulating that if Diane is not married by tomorrow, her mother will be cut off from his fortune. Desperate to save her mother from losing all her money, Diane asks Sam if he'll marry her just long enough to satisfy the family's attorneys. Sam initially scoffs at the idea, believing that even a marriage entered into like a business arrangement would eventually change his and Diane's feelings for each other. He, too, however, takes pity on Diane's mother and agrees to go along with the marriage so she doesn't end up penniless. Sam and Diane get marriage licenses, and a justice of the peace comes to Cheers to perform the ceremony. 
The crowd gathers to watch the event, but during the ceremony, Sam and Diane start to bicker even more heatedly than normal. When she catches him checking out a pretty woman entering the bar, Diane calls Sam on his lack of decorum. He, in turn, bristles at what he feels is her jealousy and controlling nature. When their fangs come out, Diane's mom stops the wedding. In the aftermath, Helen Chambers tries to resign herself to the fact that she'll be poor, but she is saved by a surprise proposal from the chauffeur, Boggs, who admits that he has been quietly embezzling money from her late husband for years, enough to set them up comfortably for the rest of their lives. And that was Someone Single, Someone Blue. So, big picture overall, Maggie, what did you think of this episode? I quite liked the episode. My favorite part of it is at this towards the end, but I'm I'm always up for a good farce, and I think this was a pretty good one. Oh yes. Um, I really liked the woman who plays Diane's mother. Who I, I know she was in like a whole bunch of stuff. Apparently, mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't recognize her, although I think I've seen things that she's in. You've seen Mary Poppins. I have seen Mary Poppins, <laughs> but it was many many years ago. Yes. But I, I love her posh East Coast accent, <laughs> and I, I absolutely adore her mom. She's just this tiny, sweet, cute lady, and she's very eccentric, and she's dressed so nice. <laughs> and she's I, I really liked her mom. I thought the I thought the mom character was really cool. She was terrific. She's played by the actress Glynis Johns, who again has nearly a hundred credits on IMDb. She has been in a lot of things. Um, wow. She was actually in the Batman TV show from the sixties. Um, of her no. current character, she played Lady Penelope P. Soup. But for me, I, aside from this role, I know her best. Uh, she played the grandmother Rose in the movie The Ref um, oh, with Dennis great. Leary, yeah, where she played a character similar to this but just more mean-spirited and, and critical. <laughs> um, and that, that is one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies, although given the fact that it co-stars Kevin Spacey, it's going to be hard to watch that one uh, from now on. But yeah, so yeah, she's a, a delightful character, a delightful actress in this episode, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, John, what did you think? Big picture for this one. Oh, I, I love this one. This is just a perfect example of like it's kind of the swan song of their early sort of things where it would be a bunch of the outside actors would come in and run the show and the mm-hmm. cast would kind of be around in the outside. And it almost almost is too too silly for even cheers because I mean Mrs. Chambers and Boggs are just living cartoon characters. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> they, they, and the situation they're in is so ludicrous. But it gets saved by a, one of the classic Sam and Diane, Diane fights mm-hmm. of the entire series. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this one is one I love watching over and over again. It is a good Sam and Diane fight. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah, and as you mentioned, this is another one of those episodes where it really lets the guest stars shine. Um, Mm -hmm. Up to the point where I think Diane's mom and Boggs have, like, easily the monopoly on the funniest lines. I mean, (laughs) Coach has some good ones, like Sam and Diane, they each have some good moments. But I think, like, almost everything Boggs says is hilarious. And and Diane's mom is is perfect, too. Like, for for the limited screen time and limited dialogue Boggs gets... I think it's just like every line, like from from when he like we'll, we'll kind of get into it a little bit more uh, chronologically. So we start off with our teaser, sort of like we were joking about this even before we started recording this episode. But it opens with the coach is talking to an old guy who like kind of walks out of the bar, and he mentions that that guy was on the Titanic, 
And Sam is like, oh my god, he survived the Titanic? And Coach is like, oh, I forgot to ask him that. <laughs> but then Sam is like, anytime you got a guy with a really interesting story, you gotta tell me that. That's like one of the perks of being a bartender. And of course, Coach being Coach is like, well, you think that's interesting? Listen to this guy. And he brings over his friend Glenn. And of course, what is Glenn known for? What does he have that's really interesting, according to Coach? We've got a right to pick a little fight for Danza. If you're going to fight with any one of us, he's going to fight with me. Four, 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 one. This week, guarantee. He knows all of the lyrics to the Bonanza TV show. And, of course, he starts singing and doesn't stop until Sam has to basically pretend to faint to get out of the thing. So. <laughs> that was so great, too. It was an amazing pratfall and just out of nowhere. Because <laughs> it was like, how are we going to end this bit on this? Okay, yeah. there we go. <laughs> he's he's down. He can't take any more of this. Um, that moment I really like. It is uh, the first appearance by that actor who plays that guy. Uh, the actor's name is Paul Wilson. He will return much later in the series playing a different character. And it's weird because later on in the show, particularly like the last couple of seasons, he plays a character named Paul. And it's, okay, he actress, is Paul. Paul. Yeah, he is Paul. It's the we- same actor, yeah. But we in were this confused one, by that. Yeah, in this one, Coach calls him Glenn, but in the ending credits, he's credited as Greg. It's like this weird thing. Yeah, maybe it said Greg in the script, but the actor Nicky Calasanto called him Glenn because like he forgot or something, or they they changed it on the fly. I'm not sure. And maybe they didn't call him Paul in this one because there was another kind of tertiary actor in the first season named Paul, who was kind of like one of the one of the characters. He wasn't up to Cliff and Norm's level, but he was always kind of like hanging around. So I don't know. But yeah, that, that same actor will come back in later seasons playing the character of Paul. Um, okay. Yeah, and actually, of the there are four guest stars in this one. Obviously, Helen Chambers is played by Glynis Johns, we already mentioned. Boggs is played by the actor Duncan Ross, um, who was in a couple of things, including Family Ties, Remington Steel. He was in the Fame TV movie and TV series. And then the Justice of the Peace, uh, who uh, is called Harrison Fiedler, is played by Dean Dittman. Uh, he appeared on stuff like Chips, Who's the Boss, Dukes of Hazard, T.J. Hooker. A lot of these guys had like lots of, like like long TV histories. All four of them, Mrs. Chambers, uh, Diane's mom, is the only one not to have a return appearance. Both the Justice of the Peace and Boggs actually return in the third season, playing those same characters. They both like oh. they're in different episodes. Um, Boggs comes in in the first episode of season three, uh, and then uh, the JP comes back and later on in the uh, season three in an episode that guest stars um, the guy who played Kramer in Seinfeld. So we'll revisit these characters a little oh, bit more. Yeah. Michael Richards, where that was the one where he was going to sue the bar. Yeah, it's the bar bet yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that episode. Yeah, when Sam has to marry Jacqueline Bissett. <laughs> it's like, well, it doesn't have to be the one from Charlie's Angels. It could be anyone named Jacqueline Bissett. But... Um, so, yeah. So, the, the the teaser ends with the theme to Bonanza, jumping into the theme from Cheers. Once we come back, the, we, we come back into the main story, and Diane says that she's got a call from her mother. Her mother's coming into town with some news. And she she kind of gives us this thing that she's like, I'm very surprised because my mother would normally never be caught dead in a place like this. <laughs> and early on established, even before we see her, we kind of get the sense of like what kind of woman is Diane. We know that Diane comes from old money. Uh, we know that her her parents were like very sort of like prim and proper. There's actually some continuity discrepancies between her parents in this episode and previous ones. 
Um, but what did you think? Like, like, what did you imagine her mom before we even saw her? Like, did you get a sense of the woman? I had a sense of the woman. I don't think she was quite to this degree <laughs> because, but I, I figured she just, I always kind of pictured her. I don't know in the, have you seen the show scrubs? Yeah. Whenever Elliot's um, flashes back on her, her mother was played by Marky Post Post from from Night Court. Yeah. (laughs) I always pictured Diane's mother like that. I think, I mean, I was nine. I really wasn't. (laughs) I counted again. I was nine years old when this one came out. I liked whenever Elliot's mom had to discipline the pool boy in the cabana. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, so yeah, and then, like their whole thing, they mentioned like she she says mom would never be in a place like this. And Cliff has this bizarre oh. line that it's the way he phrases it that's really just kind of mm-hmm. weird. He's like, he says, "Inside an hour ago, I'm in the tub." I'm in the tub. Like, <laughs> that was that was almost my um, my best line. <laughs> nice, nice. I just, such a weird it, way of phrasing. It. I I was taking a bath less than an hour ago. I'm not like this. You, don't call me like a dingy, dirty person. Really. Yeah, you know what I realized about that—that that implies uh, something that yeah. because that means that Cliff then goes home from work, you know, where he's a postman in his postman's takes outfit, a, right. takes a bath, puts his postman's auto- uniform back on, yeah. and then comes to cheers. <laughs> yes, yes, he wears that out even when he's sort of off duty, like after he's gone home and taken a bath and taken a shower, he still comes back wearing the, the postal uniform. I love it. And then they're kind of like, well, what's wrong with the bar? And Norm has this little moment that I just love. And this was almost one of my favorites. But he's like, you know, bars can be very sad places. Some people spend their whole <laughs> lives in bars. Just yesterday, some guy sat next to me for 11 hours. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And you know that bar, that same guy that some bar right now just yakking out about nothing. I just love the, the, the irony of that. About nothing. Yeah. Drinking beer. <laughs> yeah. So then we get we we get uh, Mrs. Chambers. She comes in. They have this meet and greet where she runs up to Diane, and they do this weird eccentric like kiss on both cheeks, but don't actually touch. <laughs> and it's perfect. Good, and I love it because it's called back later on when she kisses Sam when he agrees to marry him, and she doesn't touch either of his lips too. And he, he just yeah. has this, this reaction where he's like, "Oh, okay, this is just a weird." <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the way Diane has to sort of protect her mom from all the people in the bar, she says, you know, you know, this is Sam. He doesn't say anything. And then, like, <laughs> Carla kind of like nuzzles up next to her. And she's like, Carla says even less. And she's like, here's some of our regulars. me, rich lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, Carla, these are some of our regulars. Norman Cliff, they lost their tongues in the war. <laughs> yeah. And they both look so sad when she says that, but kind of just resigned to the fact that they're not going to be able to speak. (laughs) And then she introduces the one person she's not ashamed of. She introduces her mom to coach, um, which is just beautiful. And she's like, this is Ernie Pantuso, but you can call her, uh, call him coach. And coach, one of my favorite bits, or you can call me by my other nickname, Red. And the interplay off of this is just wonderful. I said, oh, is it because you had red hair? <laughs> no, because I read a book. And, <laughs> and, and the whole thing, he just has like this this sincerity about it. And Sam is standing behind him, sort of patting him on the shoulder. Like, this, is just, <laughs> like, this was probably something that like in his baseball days, this was probably something that like he got ridiculed for. This was something he had to endure. That coach was like the one guy who read a book one time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because he read a book one. Yeah. I love Coach. Oh, yeah. I think he's great. 
He is. He's so delightful. He gets some of my, my favorite parts in this one. So then, yeah, so then we have the moment when, when Diane's mom brings her to the table and sort of lays out what's going on, like the whole plot of this episode, which is that Diane's father, like on his deathbed, like insisted that his his wife would somehow ensure that Diane got married by a certain date because... Diane was like a gawky kind of nerdy teenager with a facial tick, which is a callback to previous episodes. And so he's yes. like, I want to make sure that she's married. So if Diane isn't married 10 years after he dies, which is now, then uh, his mom will be cut off from her fortune. And this reminds was, me, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I just was going to call back. Cause when she does the facial tick later, when, when she does um, the show where Diane comes back on Frasier, yes. they do the facial tick. Yes. <laughs> So I was like, oh, she's been doing that for a while, apparently. <laughs> yep, yep. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's, already, it's come up a couple times already in this season. Yeah. No, it, and then the, the, whole, the whole plot of this of like having to get married or being cut off from the family, it reminds me of one of my favorite movies, which is Arthur, uh, another 80s comedy where Dudley Moore has to get married or he'll lose his fortune. Like, this was just – apparently this was a problem in the 1980s where – People had to get married or they would lose their fortune. And that's like the fate worse than death is that millionaires would go broke. <laughs> that is so funny because I was trying today to remember the movie that this reminded me of. And also at the same time, for my subconscious was seemed to have been trying to tell me because I was remembering a joke from the show The Critic, which was Arthur Three. Yes. <laughs> you have acute cirrhosis and you've got a cute little butt. <laughs> <laughs> he's looking at the the uh, the holder of all like the tongue disp- dispensers and <laughs> tongue depressors. Like, Don't look now, but somebody's taking eating all your popsicles. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my god! So yeah, you mentioned. I mean, like the plot of this one is silly. It's definitely on the sillier side, and and more like one of the sort of farcical things, like this this arranged marriage that they have to kind of like force in a on a limited time, but. Is it too unbelievable for the show? I mean, is it too incredulous? I think there's sillier that come late, sillier episodes that, that come, come later. later. Eventually, well, eventually, sure. I think eventually, and especially the last two seasons, when it purposefully and self-aware drumps the shark, there are ones that get sillier than this, particularly in the Gary's Old Town Tavern mm-hmm. war mm-hmm. ones. Those yeah. ones. Yes, those are my favorites. But but at this at this point, it was still rooted in reality. There would be some single note lost soul people that would come in and need the magic of the bar to fix them. <laughs> but this was just a a broad comedy farce, like dropped right in the middle of it, which was which also had the benefit of allowing all the rest of the cast to do some of their best shtick around them. Mm-hmm. This first season introduced a lot of family members and, and kinfolk to some of the characters that we never see again. Um, and that seems like it was sort of like the writers kind of like testing it out. And then they like, as later they would go on, they kind of ditched some of this information or some of these like things that like they never revisit Diane's mom. This never comes back. Um, even though, like I said, Boggs comes back. Nick Tortelli is the only one that, really ever sticks around to any degree out of all yeah, of them. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, and Carla's like kids and everything, but like 
like we see like coach has a daughter early on in the season and we never mm-hmm. revisit her uh sam mm-hmm. had an ex-wife in the second season sam has a brother at the end of this season neither of Next those things are yeah neither of those things are ever really brought back actually no, and I, in fact isn't it later on coach has a niece that shows up it's isn't there an episode yeah the co- coach's niece, niece shows up at some point. right it could have been an opportunity to bring the daughter back, but instead they went with a different family member. Yeah. She was up busy on moonlighting at the time. Right. They mentioned that Diane's dad, according to this episode, has been dead for 10 years. Back in that episode of Coach's Daughter, Diane talks about her dad in the present tense. Mm-hmm. Um, and she actually she mentions something like when she was young, like he never approved of the boys that she would bring home. The way she's phrasing, so uh, now, like even if you accept, like uh, even back then, like if he did die, if he's been dead for 10 years on this, Diane at this point is no older than 24, 25. I mean, she's a grad mm-hmm. student at the beginning of the season, but she's still fairly young. So when he died she had to have been 14 or 15 like what boys is she bringing home like (laughs) especially when she describes one as like a utopian socialist or something like that that he doesn't approve of (laughs) so i I definitely think at at some point they were like this this kind of breaks away from the continuity of what they established about her her dad in that previous episode and then back on the episode let me count the ways when her cat dies she mentions that her parents divorced when she was 12 yeah. Now, that still could hold up. I mean, I guess, like, if her, they divorced, and, like, he died two years later, but his ex wife now was still living off of his fortune, that's not out of the realm of possibility, certainly, if, if they had, um. Prenup? Yeah, yeah, that's, sorry, I couldn't think of the term. <laughs> Prenups were really, really new. Were they? At that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, to any degree, it was considered an embarrassment. I mean, it was a standard trope of uh, comedy shows where people are going to get married and they get into a huge argument about whether or not they were going to have a, a prenup. Well, I guess in this case, it would be it would be the lack of prenup because a prenup would probably, yeah, in most cases, but... secure the fact that he wouldn't have to lose his money if they broke up. Like, um, mm-hmm. So in most cases, like if they were divorced and, and she like made the point that she's accustomed to a certain way of living, then she could have gotten you know half his money or however much. But yeah, it's... But like the way that Boggs talks about it too, and like how he's been embezzling from the family, it, I mean, it the, the way they describe it, it doesn't sound like they're divorced. So Diane's family history is all sorts of messed up in the in the three episodes of the season where it mentions it. But yeah, I didn't pick up on any but, of that. That's interesting. I'd, I'd say unreliable narrator, but that would be you know, us, the viewer, in this case. So. <laughs> I mean, it is a bar. People lie. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. It's possible nothing that they, she said was backed up by anything. So when we, when we do meet Boggs, Diane is talking to her mom at a table, and Boggs comes in to kind of just say something to his, to his mom. And, she's, and Diane is like, hi, Boggs. How are you? And without missing anything, he's like, I would be honored if you would consent to be my wife. <laughs> he's in a pinch, Boggs. <laughs> exactly. She's like, this is the last resort. We're not ready there. And then Carla comes in and mentions this whole thing about, she's like, if you need her to get married, and the way she phrases it, she's like, I happen to know like the bartender gets how does she say like 
She gets her steamy under the oh, under the sheets. Under the no, steamy under the silks. Steamy under the silks. Yes. Silks. And, <laughs> and, and Diane is like, "You, you're, this happens to be my mother." And Carla's like, "Well, that's why I'm being delicate." <laughs> <laughs> but so she mentioned that, and and she's like, "Why don't you marry Sam?" And Diane's like, "I would rather marry Boggs." And he just kind of stands up, like he heard his name. He's like, "I could make you very happy." And it's <laughs> it was just a figure of speech. Yeah. <laughs> He sits down beautifully. So Sam reluctantly agrees, and there's well, Diane has to pitch this idea to her, and he initially he's like, "This is a joke, right?" And he does this thing. He's like, "No, no woman can hear those words and not believe them." And she's like, "Well, that's a very sexist thing to say." <laughs> and he's like, "No, no, 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 not sexist because no man can hear that without thinking it, without believing those words too." And she's like, "Well, that's a romantic thing to say." Mm. So, what did you think? I mean, Maggie, I'm curious about your opinion. Like, what did you think about that little exchange between Sam and Diane? Because I, I definitely don't think Sam comes across great in that moment when he's getting this offer. Yeah, no, I'm glad you actually brought that up because I was I was unsure if I was going to say anything about it because when I first watched this episode and they had that exchange, I'm like, wait a second, how come it's romantic for that's not, hey, now, well, it's 80s. Called, it's called the double standard. You see, right. you yeah. have the short end of that stick. Yeah, get the short end of every stick. Well, um, part of my problem with Cheers is that so, some episodes have definitely aged better than others. Mm-hmm. And watching episodes as a modern woman, like I am, I sometimes take umbrage to some of the things that they do or say. In fact, when you covered, what's it called, Friends, Romans, Accountants? Yeah. And there's that scene at the end where Diane and the boss guy are in the pool room, and Norm walks in and sees it and turns around to leave because t- the guy tells him to leave, and they play it off as a laugh. I'm like, well, but that's sexual assault going on right there. Right. That's not it's not funny that he's walking away from that. And it's good that he came back and, and stopped it and punched the guy in the face. I found that to be deeply satisfying. <laughs> so the, this exchange kind of just ruffled my feathers a little bit. I just, but I, I at this point, I kind of just understand, you know, Cheers was this, especially in this in season one, it was early 80s. And that's just kind of the way things were. So well, I mean, I, not only that, I mean, and, and I did want to I, that's the reason why I specifically wanted your opinion of like a scene like this and i've i've mentioned this in almost every episode that one of the pitfalls that i'm really wary of revisiting the series 30 40 years later is the fact that sam alone is presented as a womanizer and he is he is hero worshipped for that he is championed for that at the time but as you said sometimes that age is okay sometimes not so much and that's one of the right. things that I'm, you know, I'm going to have to sort of traipse around and find out, like, as I am reviewing these, it's like, okay, he just grabbed Diane and kissed her on the mouth, you know, when she's in the middle of talking. And she turns around and flips him over, his, like, oh, like, you know, like head over heels and he lands on the pool table. That's a funny moment, but he that's still shouldn't have done Yeah, it's like, like, you kind of excuse that because he got what was coming to him. Like, that is the right, you know, when he right. kind of propositions her for sex. And she slaps him in the face. It's like, yeah, that's the that's the correct thing. That's funny, but it's like, right. still, you shouldn't have done that, buddy. And we kind of excuse it because he gets what's coming to him. But... Well, and the fact that you're at least cognizant about that when you're you know doing your show and you're reviewing these episodes, I appreciate that as a member of the female species. And you know, when John and I were talking about Cheers, and when we started uh, started first kind of rewatching the episodes for me as like a Frasier prequel, like I said. I really had a hard time liking Sam, 
And John said, yeah, but he usually always gets what's coming to him. And I'm like, no, I don't think he really does. <laughs> Sometimes, sure. But for the most part, the way he behaves is idealized by everyone else at the bar, even by Carla, mm-hmm. which I find to be kind of interesting, too. She's all for him being a womanizer and doesn't want him to be the other way. And there might be some, I guess, other motivations behind why that might be for a female character. I don't know. But I Sam kind of irritates me sometimes. He's a little too childish and a little too womanizing-y, even for an 80s sitcom. And it makes me a little mad. So when, yeah, when Diane flipped him over onto the pool table, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> I like that a lot. You tend to, li- you tend to like him with Rebecca. I much Sam, prefer though. Sam and Rebecca's dynamic than Sam and Diane's dynamic, for sure. Well, and I think the, I, maybe, I, I, I would just be curious about it, and we're jumping far into the show, but I, I don't care about that. Like, For a a large part of the Sam and Rebecca dynamic, the power dynamic has changed because she's his superior. Right. So maybe, I mean, would you think, does that play into it? The fact that he, you know, he's still chasing her, but like he can't use their position and work. I mean, like he's, he's Diane's boss. So that that adds an extra level of inappropriateness to their relationship that if they tried to do this today, you would say, Stop, dude! Like, hold on! Like this, is, like you're this is borderline felonious behavior. Like, what you're doing? Yeah, I always like when I get to see an example that counters when Harry met Sally. So I really, <laughs> I really like it when male and female characters are just friends. We don't see that very often. I don't think, and usually there's always a will they, won't they that goes along with it, and inevitably they usually do. And then there's the aftermath. Even in Frasier, with Frasier and Roz, they had had they had that one episode where they did that, and I thought it was completely, it was unnecessary. Mm-hmm. It didn't need to happen. There's nothing wrong with depicting a man and a woman being friends with no sexual tension. It can happen. Right. It literally can happen. It is possible. So I really liked that about um, or I do currently because we're not through the whole show yet. I like that about Sam and Rebecca. It was Sam and Diane in, in seasons one through three because isn't season four her last season? Uh, she leaves in season five. Season five. Okay. Because that's my ultimate least favorite. Seasons one through three with them are my favorites. I really like those episodes and I like their interaction. It's a little bit more playful. They're not quite jaded yet by all the things that they go through. Um, So, yeah, it's it's interesting that there was such a big difference. There might be a little quid pro quo going on with Sam and Diane that can't happen with Sam and Rebecca. And I always like it when Rebecca throws things back in Sam's face. (laughs) That is something that Rebecca and Diane are both equally good at that. Because oh, yes. Diane gets some really great zingers in on Sam. She really does. And Rebecca does as well. Right. I, I like that about the writing in the show. Well, as we see, and again, we keep foreshadowing, but I don't care. As we see by the end <laughs> of the second season, Diane can literally hit just as hard as Sam. Wow. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. They're both holding on to each other's noses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. so, Physical violence against each other. But yeah, it's funny. At first I was a little like, hey, now wait a second. And I'm like, okay, all right, it's just slapstick. I guess you can have slapstick. I guess you can have slapstick between a man and a woman, although it, it does have different kind of connotations. It's, than if it's like, you know, the Three Stooges. It is always fascinating to uh, – 
watch you interact with Cheers, not having grown up with it. See, you see, for me, I grew up with it, thought of it as normal because that's how it was presented to me. Grew up, took a bunch of sociology um, and feminist theory classes, was finally able to look past that and realize that that just because it always was that way doesn't make it right. Mm -hmm. Can look back at that with my eyes and, you know, and see and pick and choose and say, okay, that was good. That was bad. Um, to hear you say it, who does not have that early perspective and is just looking at it like this and calling it what it is, it's mm-hmm. it's always such a. It, I'm enjoying it so much rewatching this the show this time around because Aww, of that. that's really sweet. <laughs> and I I I'm the same way like, in in watching the show with my wife. A lot of times she bristles at Sam and she's like, "Can you?" Like, she like I, I've talked about it, but she's like, "I don't know if I can keep watching this because she gets sick of him and his behavior a lot." And it's because I love the show so much, I I am more inclined to make allowances for it. But I do have to kind of think about it and and say that, okay, this is a product of its time and what was – what was not just acceptable behavior, but again, ide- idolized behavior in some cases mm-hmm. for men and male behavior at this time. Although they do take a lot of shots at Sam's womanizing and his sexism and stuff like that. Like they, they eventually outright get sick of it. Right. Right. Like, they, they, they will bring him down and bring him to task. But like, again, like, one of the things that keep coming down is yes, he is a womanizer. He sleeps around a lot. He pursues women with a vigor, but he's not predatory in the way that you know. Like I rewatched Night Court recently, which is another show that I grew up watching and loving. And I, at the time, I thought, yeah, Dan Fielding, he's hilarious in the way he womanizes. But now it's like, no, the difference between Sam in this show and Dan in Night Court is like Dan should be in jail. Like, like the level of sleaze and degradation yeah. that he is, like that. No, that is that's wrong on so many levels. That is a harder show, but nearly impossible at times to make allowances for in a modern context. So, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. I haven't seen a lot of Night Court, but I, I have seen a few episodes, and I was I was kind of surprised because I love the Harry the Hat episodes. The, what few of them there are, any time that he shows up on Cheers, I was like, hey, Harry the Hat. And so John and I were like, well, let's watch Night Court. And we watched the first couple episodes of the first season. I was like, this isn't, I don't like this. You're watching I was this second season. Oh, was it the second yeah. season? Oh, okay. See, I, I was I was kind of let down by that. And I love John Larroquette. And he plays such a sleaze ball. <laughs> I can't watch it anymore. It's the comedy's too broad. And Dan Fielding is a character I cannot sit through. It, it is difficult. That's, that's a show that I don't know how well that ages, if at all, but... This is the night. Right. This isn't a night court podcast. So. <laughs> this is Cheers Cat. So Sam feel, takes pity on the poor rich woman because they, she's so put upon. She's going to lose her millions. Again, 80s problems. This was a thing. Um, <laughs> so Sam agrees to, to, to the marriage. They go off to the uh, courthouse. He comes back making a joke about he decided to renew his bike license. Uh, and Diane's like, shut up, Sam. And he's like, sorry, dear. Sorry, um, dear. So they're, they're already starting. Then we get the wedding scene with, I love this justice of the peace because he keeps like smiling. Like he's yeah. completely <laughs> has no awareness of what's going on to the point where they tell no. him to shut up. And he keeps smiling. Like he's right. trying to, trying to like push his way through the ceremony. Like everything is fine. Like this is the normal thing while the prospective bride and groom are just like hissing at each other over this thing. <laughs> 
What did you think of that scene? Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. There were two things, uh, two other things I wanted to just note. Uh, they do that very rare uh, point of view shot from the door. Yeah, yeah, they when, do have one of those. And But it didn't seem to fit. It just was just there. And everyone is looking up at it. Usually whenever they do it, it's for comedic effect. Right. Or just... To show you, I guess, how many people are there. That's generally it. I don't know if that was, but maybe they were just showing off their their new their new camera. Their new camera. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe they, maybe <laughs> yeah. they needed it to like maybe there was a rough cut like between like the scene that they uh, needed sure. to cut away from if if like one of the lines didn't quite mesh up and they needed to cut away to something and and do an ADR yeah. voiceover. I don't. I'm not sure. That's kind of what I was thinking, too, is I wonder if they had to just put something in that spot and that's what they put there yeah. for whatever reason. But another thing that uh, reminded me of things that, that come later is when they were all coming back from getting the license, there was a ton of people in the bar that was being run by only Coach and Carla. <laughs> yeah. And it made me then realize that after Diane leaves – Carla's the only waitress yeah. in that bar yes. for the rest of the season and just happily walks around lackadaisically serving a ton of people. Uh-huh. Well, she's making a lot of money. She's no got eight she, kids. Yeah, no wonder she can support eight kids. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, this, is, this has come up before and I, I, we've talked about it a little bit. Like throughout the life of the show, Cheers never has more than four employees. <laughs> you gotta figure like like what are their shifts? What are their days off? Like how I can't support that. And, you, and you're right. Like in the beginning, there's two bartenders and two waitresses. But once Diane yeah. leaves, she's not replaced. Rebecca is just the manager. She's in the office, and then it's working with two bartenders and one waitress. It's like and one waitress. Yeah. A bar that size can't sustain itself like that. What if what if Carla's sick? Like like they need <laughs> like you need a staff of like ten people to service that bar or something like no that. Kidding. But maybe people from Melville's come down and help out. <laughs> yeah. I, can, <laughs> I win the no prize. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of the one of the busboys who doesn't speak English that John Allen Hill brings in in the latest. Yeah. <laughs> or the or that one lady who from the diner that fills in every now and then. Oh, I like her from the 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 uh, the hungry cow. Oh, the hungry heifer. Hungry, hungry heifer. heifer. That's what it's called. Yeah. yeah, I like that lady. She, I, I like that character. That um, the old grizzled, you know, short order waitress lady yeah. who's been smoking since she was five. <laughs> you know, you want but, some coffee? But as, but as to the the wedding scene itself. It's just a testament to Shelley Long's acting ability with how she they do their whole standard bit, which is going to s- set up exactly what's going to happen now. No emotions, no emotions. They shake hands, right. they turn, and then you Diane immediately, uh, when she's listening to the to the vows, and her and just her her eyes, mm-hmm. or she is just really starting to like she's go starting into, to like fall into him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I can I can attest. You, everyone here, can attest. Those vows, when you're hearing them spoken in that situation, are very powerful and way different than if you're just hearing them or reading them said. Mm-hmm. And and she is selling that so well. And then Sam, of course, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he he prefaced it. Yeah, I mean, he kind of like warned her beforehand, but like before the the act break when he was like, "I've been married before. You haven't been like this. This will change things." Uh, and he even mentions, you know, and he says, like, there's not a man who can hear this and not feel the same way. He's like, the difference is men tend to get over it after an hour. 
Um, right. But then, yeah, when when the other woman who looks like she came out of a White Snake video walks by, <laughs> and, and she goes, and she goes to the bar, and Sam just kind of like follows her. The the gesture that Diane does, and he's like, I she was a customer. I spent, he's like, I gave her a look. So what? And Diane's like, No, this is a look. And she kind of like glances over. She's like, This is what you did. And she does like this double take, like. Bug eye. <laughs> it's the most beautiful facial thing that she does, and it's like this was this was one of the great things about Shelley Long. But I keep coming back. Not only is she smart, funny, just she can re- get to these emotional ranges, but like the physical aspects that she can do and what she can do with her face, like including the facial tick. I'm convinced that it's just mm-hmm. something yeah. that the actress could do that they wrote into the show like five times throughout her series. But yeah, she's. Oh, she's so wonderful in that moment when she just like fakes that look, that that double take and like huge eyes. Like, oh. Now I gotta ask: is the is that woman credited? Uh I don't believe so. Because she's like the whole catalyst for the second half <laughs> yes. of the episode. But she never speaks. As soon as she walks through that door, the episode changes. The central casting. We needed a very attractive, attractive woman. woman. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like she just stepped out of a white snake video. Oh, full luckily. hair and makeup, and this is the '80s, people. Come on, <laughs> no, she, it would that's be a lot a, of hair and makeup. Yeah, it'd be a featured extra because she doesn't have any lines. So yeah, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, that's too bad though because she actually has a pivotal role in the episode. <laughs> right, right. Well, she probably told all her friends. Oh, she probably sure. did tell all of her friends, and none of them believed her. I'm uh, sure. I was the most important person in that Cheers episode. <laughs> exactly. The one with I didn't the have lady from Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was way more important than her. Yeah, well, would have been a really cool conversation to have afterwards. There, there's another little cutaway, like when Sam and Diane are fighting, when they're kind of like going at each other, there's a cut back to Norm and Cliff and Carla, just kind of like sitting in the back watching. And Norm checks his watch. <laughs> this thing where it's like, he's like, how long is this going to go? Or And I almost kind of like wondered, like, because this is a joke that will be played out in a later episode, but it's like almost like, it reminded me of a thing where they're like, they're taking bets. How long is this actually going to last? Yeah, yeah. And I think I, th- I probably thought of that because that is a joke that comes up later on in the show when like, mm-hmm. oh, will they, won't they, when people are taking bets on a wedding. So. Well, that's what I said with Norm's line, which was almost, again, my, my best line, which was, I understand they wrote, they wrote their, their own, own vows. vows. Yeah. <laughs> which <laughs> just is the big setup for a punchline that comes way later when they're um, coming to uh, Sam and Diane's housewarming and they all walk in and Diane is, of course, freaking out over something and, and say, I could never spend a moment in this house. And, and Sam's like, you know. Or, or, Norm. or Norm is like, mm-hmm. you know, a few years ago, this would have really, you know, <laughs> this really would have confused me. But now, this <laughs> is just normal. Oh, yeah. No, I've I, been there since the two of you almost got fake married that one day. And every other aspect of your relationship has played out in front of me. This is not surprising. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I, I love that line of the, the own boss. And it brings me to one of the lines that was almost my favorite is a coach moment when he's like, when like just before, like right before the wedding ceremony, when coach takes the side, he's like, you know, as soon as that Diane walked in, I knew the two of you were going to get together. And Sam is like, he's like, coach, coach, this is only temporary. And coach is like, oh, I knew that too. <laughs> Prophetic. Yes. Yeah, really. So. Um, and then, of course, they they don't. The it's actually the Diane's mom who has like the moment where she's like, "No, stop this! We're making a mockery of marriage. This isn't going to happen. This was all a mistake." And she has yeah. to just kind of. And then there's like the aftermath when she's alone in the bar with Diane, just thinking about being poor and crying, and how is she going to live that way? Like, how do we do it? Um, and, then, <laughs> yeah. and Boggs comes to the rescue. 
and says, he's like, would you marry me? And, and Diane's like, no, Boggs, it's too late. He's like, I wasn't talking to you. And they have this whole little flirtatious <laughs> moment between Boggs and her. And when he mentions like how rich he is, that she he's comfortable, he's like, as I believe Emily Post said, oh, a woman does not ask her dead husband chauffeur how much money he's stolen from her. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I admit, Boggs, I always found the back of your head very attractive. Very attractive, yes. Like, so yeah, it ends up that uh, you know Diane's mom is taken care of and they get to walk off together. And yeah, Sam and Diane are alone, and they they get their moments. So overall, it's it was a silly episode. It could have been a little bit crazy. It could have been a shark jumping one, but I don't think it ever got to that point. And I think it's it's redeemed because for one thing, it's just really really funny, um, and they avoided some of the pitfalls by making anything too permanent in this one. So yeah, it does kind of come across as like a one shot. Yeah, yeah, the episode is. It's sort of like a self contained story. Mm-hmm. Which is what a lot of the early season ones yeah. were, and, and a lot of the ways, again, because this one, like some of the really good first season episodes, it's really driven by the guest stars. I mean, right. Sam and mm-hmm. Diane have their flirtatious moments and in, in the front and the back, and everybody else is just sort of orbiting, watching how the bar is changed by these strange people who come in for one day and kind of throw <laughs> everything into an uproar. And that's, you know, that's one of the brilliant things that the early season episodes could do. And it was, it was always really memorable the way, the way the writers could just make like a little mini play out of this. Right. Yeah. That's um, something that appealed to me about Cheers. I like the three act play format of the show that appealed to me. I could see it on a stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a one act play. You Everyone know? Yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. It's totally a one act play. Not a three act play. Well, I mean, there's, I like the, there's the, the obvious, like, yeah, there's the commercial, the commercial break and the teaser. Right. So it, it is structured, yeah, in, in right. those different acts. But I, uh, no, yeah, it's one of, and it is one of those things that you would love to see on a stage. I, I've always said that mm-hmm. the season ten finale, which is Woody's wedding, uh, which was a two-parter, which is ironically most of it not set at the bar at all. But I think that could have been adapted to a, a brilliantly hilarious, like comedy of errors type of thing oh, uh, on a stage play. So. They use that as their uh, as their sketchbook for the various Fraser farces. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that's, we'll get to there eventually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So I don't have any uh, trivia bit, bits for this episode. Uh, none of my little known facts. Um, for Norm's tab, I have him drinking three beers in this episode, uh, which brings him up to ninety-two episodes for the series. Whew, we're closing in on the season finale. Will he break the 100 mark in the first season? I don't know. We'll see. Good mm-hmm. lord. Yeah. Uh, getting into our superlative categories. Um, first off is our employee of the week. Who did you think was the best performer or the funniest performer? Who stole the show in this episode? And bear in mind, when I say employee of the week, it does not have to be an employee of Cheers. It could be any member of the cast. Uh, so, John... You up first. Who did you think was the employee of the week for this one? Oh, Mrs. Chambers is the employee of the week. She has the touch, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong show. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, she's she's amazing. I mean, a, a, an actor with uh, less skills could have just turned that into an absolute cartoonish performance. But she was so great. And, and almost every line that came out of her mouth is hilarious. Just from you're almost as handsome as she says, you think you are. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and, and she's also so good to the point that she almost can sell you just by pointing out, I've been poor. I don't know if I could do it again. And you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm poor now. <laughs> <laughs> and I've always been poor. Screw you. But, <laughs> 
but yeah, she's wonderful just from beginning to end. And, and it's like, I just love that, that she just descends onto cheers one day and walks away never to be seen again mm-hmm. off with bars. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Mary Poppins. I asked. <laughs> Maggie, who'd you think? Bods. <laughs> He's my favorite in this episode. Well, he does save the day mm-hmm. at the end of the episode. And he also delivers my favorite line of the episode, but I can hang on to that for later okay. on. All right. I, well, I'm glad because I had a toss-up between the two of them. And I sort of mentioned it before, but for what little time and what little dialogue Boggs has, like every moment is precious. Like, there, yeah, there's he no, there's no wasted there. moment with him. Yeah, No, mm-hmm. not at all. He's hilarious. I like how very staunch and proper he is, and then he gets to the end of the episode. It's, it's great. He's got a great little story in there. Boggs is my favorite. <laughs> but with Diane's mom, like, like you were sort of like getting to this point, John. Like, the things she says should be horrible and offensive <laughs> and despicable. Like this old rich woman, a first class warrior, like who just like who hated her husband and just like can't stand the thought of being poor and it like like is so like rejectful of like the like this lower class world and everything like that she just she seems like a character that would be so easy to despise and yet you never feel that way you love her she's so entertaining and she's so sympathetic to a weird preposterous degree like the fact that people are willing to go along with this to help her there's just like like I, I I don't know how she does it, but she manages to be sweet and wholesome in this way while mm-hmm. while still being this like rich widow who's just like wants to wants to you know pimp her daughter off to some guy just to save her own money. And it's like, how is this woman still coming across as sympathetic? But she does it. It's like... She does. She's entirely likable. I think the the actress delivers her lines with she's so earnest in yeah. everything she says. <laughs> exactly. When there she hops go. up on the bar rail to kiss <laughs> Sam, it's the cutest thing ever. Like she's so elated. And yeah, it's because she's not going to be poor and she gets to still be a millionaire. But I'm happy for her. Right. right. <laughs> you know, but for some reason. But she still she won't make contact with Sam. She won't go. <laughs> She right. won't break that she invisible barrier. Your own daughter. No, right. that's, I've seen that in other things, though. That strikes me as being one of those posh, poncy yeah. things oh, that well, people yes, do. Course, but... you, like, if you're going to pretend to kiss someone on the cheeks, like, then why not just do it? <laughs> Who knows why they do what they do? That's, maybe right. that's how they get it's, rich. It's beneath her station. So. Yeah. Physical yeah. affection is beneath her, so... Yeah. All right, then um, what, for our home run, our funniest gag or uh, doesn't necessarily have to be funniest. It could just be like the most emotional, uplifting moment. What did you think was the highlight of the episode? Uh, Maggie, what did you think? My favorite part, going back to Boggs, was, is at the end of the episode and he's saving the day because he's been embezzling money from the family for close to a quarter of a century. And the way he delivers that line is so great because he never drops like that facade, you know, like that professionalism. Even when he's proposing to Mrs. Chambers, I've been embezzling from your family for close to a quarter of a century. <laughs> I'm quite well off. I thought that was hilarious. That's he, my favorite part. He's holding himself at like this statuesque, like yeah, like he's like and guarding, like he's, yeah, like he's guarding Buckingham Palace or something. He's like that straight and that rigid and holding his cap. 
like in like this like beautiful position. It's like even when he's even when he's like proposing and confessing that he's been embezzling and everything, he's still this yes. stately professional. It's so exactly funny. very matter of fact and about it. Then she's it. like, "How but clever!" <laughs> what really? Yeah, that's and that's it. What really sells the line is then her response to say, "Oh, Boggs, how clever of you!" Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I just ate that up. I thought that was so funny. Yeah, she's. I was. That was mine, but she stole it from. I called it. She called it because that was the one we watched this three you can cut this whole bit out but we we watched this three times to get ready for this and that was the one that made me belly laugh every damn time (laughs) yeah it is such a funny line well did you have a runner-up then in that case i did have a runner-up uh it uh, slightly earlier to lead up to there where diane's mother is like i only What's the line? I only put up with your familiarity for all of the or, over all of the years because I was afraid of class warfare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's Although, another good one for sure. Only slightly below that is Coach's entire bit about the the last wedding that was yes. in yes. Cheers. Yes. Shot him dead in the head. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. But, but all of, just where he goes, he wasn't. He was cremated. <laughs> he was cremated. Here's his ashes. ashes. <laughs> Oh my god! It's such a wonderful story. I think I'm probably going to have to use that sound bit for the end of this episode, just because it's, so, <laughs> it's such a good little monologue that he does there, and and the play and Cliff and Norm's reaction is wonderful. Oh yeah, they're <laughs> horrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shut dead um, meow. That's oh, a, that's actually like another little moment because Norm asks Coach if this is the first wedding in Cheers history. Like, as if, like, Coach would know better. But, like, I think throughout the course of the show, we kind of realized that Norm has been in Cheers longer than Coach has. And, and Norm <laughs> knows more of the bar history than Coach does. So Since he was just the skinny guy. Yeah, the skinny guy. That's right. For me, there's the whole – my favorite part, my favorite lines. There's the whole, the whole setup with Coach when he explains that his nickname was Red because he read a book. And uh, whatever that is. But then it comes back later on when Carla is saying that, you know, Diane, she gets steamy under the silks for the bartender. And she mentions that. And so oh, Diane's yeah. mother looks over at the bar and she goes, she likes red. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Again, the, the delivery and the fact that she thinks yeah. that Diane has like, the hots for red. Like, that's the one thing that, that she's heard about Coach is that he called red. So for her, that's how she's going to think of him for the rest of time. She's only yeah. going to think of him as red. I I have a very vivid memory of watching this for the first time as a kid and my mother just losing it over that line. <laughs> just, first of all, she thought she, the red joke, she would laughed. Like mm-hmm. she laughed harder at the first red joke. She laughed harder at than anything and was still giggling over it. And then by the time it gets to that, that it just, she went just over the top. There's another, I don't remember what episode it is, but there's another joke later on where coach says he's got another nickname, Satchmo. And Diana's like, no, coach, that's Louis Armstrong. Like, oh, no, but I like that one better. And then, like, later, like, like Sam, Sam is like, oh, that's a good idea, coach. He's like, oh, please, call me Louis Armstrong. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so, again, it's a funny episode. Um, thank you both for helping me review this episode. This was a great time. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Where else can people find you on the podcastosphere if they want to hear more from you guys? We have two podcasts, one called Married with Comics, where we talk about pretty much anything, and then one called Transformers the Rod Pod, where we talk about IDW Transformers comics. 
And if you like Transformers, you can also catch me over on the Longbox Crusade, where I do a show with Pat and Delvin called Transformers Chronicles The Marvel Years. Maggie and I can also be found on Twitter at MWC underscore podcast and on Facebook under the Married with Comics podcast. And we're all over the place. Listen to us. We're fun. Both mentally and on the internet. Yay. <laughs> we're all over the place. As the listeners have no doubt figured out by now. So. Uh, well, thank you again, Maggie and John, for being on the show. Listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. Please support the show on Facebook and Twitter and leave a comment on the website post at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Until next time, we're closed. Is this the first wedding ever in Cheers Club? Uh, nope. Frankie Flaherty got married in this barn home. Yep, he met Janet right down there at that corner. Uh, proposed to her right here, right in front of me. They got married over there, had their first fight up by the piano. She caught him in the pool room with a woman, shot him dead in the alley. <laughs> oh, that's an incredible story, really. Want to know where he's buried? Where? He ain't. It's cremated. Thank God. This is ashes. <laughs> 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 <laughs>